What is narcissistic abuse? Why not call it emotional or psychological abuse? Well, these are the questions that Tara and I are going to tackle on this episode. And the self-help tip is how to use expressive writing to clear the confusion that so many abuse victims experience. Thank you for joining us on Breaking Free from Narcissistic Abuse. I'm Dr. Carrie Kerr-McAvoy, a mental health specialist with over 20 years of counseling experience. And I'm Tara Blair Ball, a certified relationship coach. This is a listener-supported podcast. Please consider becoming a supporter of the show for less than a cup of coffee. Carrie, I got a comment recently on one of my videos on emotional abuse saying that I was actually describing narcissistic abuse, Mm. which was interesting because when I looked... At the video, it it was not. It was emotional abuse. But I do think it's helpful for us to think about and help our listeners with the difference between the two. Yeah. So so how would you define the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I see narcissistic abuse as a subtype of psychological Mm -hmm. or emotional abuse. I'm not for sure I think emotional abuse is different than psychological abuse. I kind of consider them one and the same. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Do you? I I would say different. Really? Yeah. All right. I would say different. Huh. I mean... Absolutely. Psychological abuse can become emotional abuse, but I do see distinct differences between the two. So let's start out as abuse. Mm -hmm. Then let's talk about what is psychological abuse, emotional abuse, and then narcissistic abuse. Let's do that. What do you think? Okay. Okay. So I see you want to go with just abuse first. Let's just start. What is abuse? Power and control. Okay. I agree with a big umbrella, power and control over another person. Okay. Okay. And then psychological abuse targeting someone's mental, intellectual, psychological capacity. So the causing the confusion, like gaslighting. Yeah. Okay. And then emotional abuse, targeting someone's emotional landscape. That's why. Or, I, yeah. That, or, see, that see was, that's, okay. I get you. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Because to me, psychologically and emotionally, because we're a whole self. Right. And it's we can't really parse out my thinking life and my thinking self from my emotional self. If it's a course of control, I think that's also another important word to define. If there's like making me question my reality, making me question my feelings, um, making me feel like I'm beholden to you, you're affecting me emotionally, but you're also affecting me psychologically. Mm-hmm. That's why I guess I don't separate the two. Yeah. I was going to say the tactics mm. feel and seem different because, I mean, gaslighting, you can make someone question their feelings or emotions about a specific thing. Right. But is that questioning emotionally abusive? Yeah, I think so. You think so? Yeah, because it's still a form of invalidation of self. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, I, I think they're interchangeable, but I'm not for sure if everybody would agree with me, but I, I just don't see a huge difference. I mean, to me, the big difference is physical abuse versus psychological or emotional abuse. That's easy. Mm-hmm. I touch you or I don't touch you. I guess with psychological versus emotional abuse, I see it as sh- long term versus short term. Mm. Okay. Like, and I guess I guess the way I'll pose this is when someone's gaslighting us, for example, that has a long term impact, a long term Time. I don't know. I don't, this is hard to frame. Yeah. But it's making you question a whole range of experiences, moments, things like that, that then get touched on later. While emotional abuse can be be really short term, you know, like calling someone names like that can absolutely be a short term thing. It doesn't necessarily but it's still going to have a huge impact. Exactly. Though. Still eroding self-esteem. Right, right. So maybe it's what it erodes. 
I, yeah, I, I, that's why I, I don't separate them because I think yeah. it's too much blurring that's going on. Yeah. It, it may be short term, but it's going to have also long term consequences. Yeah. It may attack our emotional reaction to something, but that's going to affect our sense of self and our perception of life and reality. So I see that as sort of like one and the same. Mm-hmm. But narcissistic abuse to me is something that's a subcategory of all of that. Uh, not physical abuse. There's usually not physical abuse, but it's a, definitely a subcategory of abuse and a, definitely a subcategory of psychological and or emotional abuse in that this is how Dr. Milstead in an article with Psych Central defined it. It's the presentation of a person to another person as a good individual, as a fa- but as a facade in order to get some gain or benefit. And the public thinks that the person is good and that there's no abuse going on. The key piece is there's a deceptive component, mm-hmm. a false presentation of who this person is and what they're about. Let's just take you and I, for example. I think that we're friends and that we have this really great business relationship, but I don't know that you're actually attempting to take something from me or steal something mm. from me. And so you're setting up to the world that you're a good person. And I believe that, but it's actually all a deception, all a lie in mm-hmm. order to gain that asset from me. Mm-hmm. That to me is narcissistic abuse. Now, I think there are a lot of relationships where the deception is subtle. I think there's a lot of relationships where it's not subtle. Like I want to have all the relationships I want on the side. I don't want you to know about it because I know you would never agree to be in a relationship with me. And I want this relationship because either you make me look good or you look good on my arm or Mm -hmm. because you really satisfy my ego or because you bring money to the table that I don't have. Or there's something that you have that I don't have that I want from you. So I'm going to keep this secret from you in order to get you into the relationship because you would never agree if you knew. But I also think there are relationships that are narcissistic abusive that isn't that clear. It could be a person wants the stability, wants the perception of stability by having the relationship when they actually intend to be very selfish, very competitive, deliberately malicious. So the deception is I want you to think I'm really good and I want to be in on this, but I really don't intend to be that magnanimous here. I don't Mm -hmm. intend to be that generous. I'm going to withhold myself from you, but I want you to think that I'm not, and I want everybody else to think that I'm not. So I kind of see it as a whole range of level of intensity. So let's say you are chatting with a guy on a dating app, Mm -hmm. and he says he's totally in for marriage, he's really interested in you, blah, blah, blah. But then you discover that really he he was just wanting sex. He was wanting a hookup. Is that narcissistic abuse, or is that just his deception? I think it's both. Okay. I, I, I know a lot of people would say, I'm being narcissistically abusive. Well, if it's a bait and switch going on, yeah, I think that it is. Because hmm. you're you're presenting as if you want this. In, why? In order to get in something. In order to get something from yeah. me that I don't want to give. That I would only give in the first situation, but not give in the second. Mm-hmm. If you wanted a hookup and you said to me, I want a hookup, then I have free ability to consent mm-hmm. or not to. I can say, yeah, I'm game for that or no, I'm not. But why are you telling me you want a long-term relationship? Because you already know I don't want to hook up, mm-hmm. but you want to have a hookup. That's a common scenario. I know it is. That's super common. I know that it is. So there are a lot more narcissistically abusive people. But are they all narcissists? 
That's a, even another right. question. Right. Is, I, I think most of those people are not. I think right. they're just being, I would call predatory. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, hey, it's the only way I can get somebody to agree. And the supply is short. There's not as many women who are interested in hookups as there are men looking for hookups. So mm-hmm. this is the only way I can get what I want. But I don't think most people stop and ask themselves, is this a good thing? Is, right. Does this have integrity? Am I taking advantage of someone? Am I harming mm-hmm. them? I mean, it just happened to me recently. I mean, not that not that it got very far. We didn't even get out on the date, but he was already setting up the scenario that obviously, you know, he's looking for sex and hinting about it. And mm-hmm. I just said, hey, I think we're looking for different things. I called him out on it. Yeah. But I, I do think... I think it's happening a lot. And I, and I don't mean to be picking on men. I, I think women are doing it, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so what do you think, though? Would you call that narcissistic abuse? Oh, I would. Because, like you said, there is a con for wanting for something. Yeah. Yeah. Like expecting and wanting something that they could only get with that specific con. Right. So that's how I define it is there's that con involved. Yeah. If it's not including that con, then it might be some other type of abuse tactic. But the con I think is very, I I think it's also interesting. The point that you brought up from Dr. Milstad, where Mm -hmm. everyone around them thinks that the person is good. Mm -hmm. Um, And that whole, that whole setup too, because it's not just deceiving the partner. It is also deceiving and silencing their support community. Yes. Because that's what happened for me when I was in my narcissistic and abusive relationship is that everyone around the person was just thought I was making it up. Right. You know, they couldn't believe that 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 he did that. He was such a good person. Right. You know, and but it does set up that very unique scenario that I don't think is as as prevalent in other abuse situations. Usually that abuser is other people have seen it. Right. Right. They'll say, oh, he has a short temper. Right. Or, oh, she loses it when things don't go her way. Right. Yeah. I What I almost hear universally from those who are in my membership club is they feel scammed. That's the word they'll say. Mm. I feel like I was scammed or I was duped. So I think it's that piece of that bait and switch, the con that is very much unique to narcissistic abuse. I think it's way more. In fact, I just talked to a guy who realized that his 17 year long marriage has been a con. I mean, and very tearful about feeling completely broken about that. And he, that's what he said. He said, I'm shocked. It's everywhere. Well, now that mm-hmm. I can see it, I can see this is happening in in lots of relationships. How come I didn't see this before? I think that's the part to me that's wild. We you I just had it I had it happen to me when I was on a on a trip. I went into a store to buy a product and they started telling me things that were not true about this product in order to get me to make the purchase. I could feel my gut did, you know, I tell you it's love bombing my di- gut didn't go off. My gut did go off. I could feel that this was a setup and and it was predatory. I could feel that this was too good to be true. And sure enough, when I went back and did a search on Better Business Bureau, mm-hmm. they had bad ratings and they had been complaint specifically about this. So it's not just to relationships that can happen in in business. It can happen between friendships. It can happen in neighbors. But it's I think it's way more prevalent than we want to admit. And which is interesting is why are we not? Why? That's what he said. Why are we not talking about this? I. I find that intriguing that it's not more information around this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So can we jump to what emotional abuse is? This is because, what I was yeah, because yeah. I think it's so important. 
I definitely agree that there is a lot of people who are emotionally abusive that are not conning anyone. Mm-hmm. They're just not nice people. Right. right. <laughs> That's how I would say it. they're just not nice, you know? Yeah. Emotional abuse can be name calling, insults, criticism, yeah. sarcastic comments or passive aggressive comments like these little sort of jabs that are geared towards you know, you're too crazy, you're stupid, you're an idiot. It's these jabs that sort of erode our self-esteem, our mm-hmm. sense of ourselves, our, our self-worth, that it just cripples us. Yeah. And that was how I felt. I grew up with an emotionally abusive mother who always told me I was too fat. <laughs> and I think a lot of a lot of us feel that way or grow up around people that that say things like that. But when it's constant, I mean, how does it not erode your sense of yourself, right. especially when it's someone that, who says that they love you? Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I see emotional abuse as just uh, instead of making it the person's difficulty with themselves or their emotions or the situation or the stress, they offload it onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. Way back in the day, I probably you never saw it because you and I are definitely from gen- different generations. There was a PSA that was. Dad had a bad day at work. He comes home and he yells at the wife. The wife turns around and screams at the kid and the kid kicks the dog. It's kind of this passing down. But nobody's conning anybody. Everybody knows dad had a bad day. And dad's offloading it onto mom who then offloads it to the kid. It's overt. We're aware of it. But it's really, really not nice. The dad doesn't say I'm having he doesn't own his own emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. I'm having a bad day and I don't know what to do about it. I feel really powerless or I'm really bummed and then does the work of taking care of it. Or even mom in the interaction isn't saying it's not my kid's problem. What we do is we make it about the other person. We make mm-hmm. them the object of our frustration and we offload our emotional difficulty instead of taking responsibility for our emotional difficulty, instead of self-soothing our emotional difficulty. Mm-hmm. So there's no con, okay, with emotional abuse, but is it a con to blame someone else for your behavior? Do you think they're attempting to make a deception? I wonder, because I know for me and for a lot of us that have experienced emotional abuse, we feel to blame or responsible for the behavior. So is that a kind of con to turn the mirror the other way and say it's all your fault? I mean, it's not really to the same extent that we're talking about, right? but that's... That's the awful product of it. Yeah, but I don't think the person in the moment knows they're doing that. I don't no. think it's a deliberate effort to That's s- true. To, to There's see. not a yeah. strategy or right. it's not calculated. And maybe that's the difference we need to talk about, too, is maybe the that con is very a lot of times, a lot carefully of th- constructed. I, I wouldn't say 100% of the time. I I mean, I'm thinking of one scenario where I know where the person was a professional and he's been abusive to his wife. I don't think he's gone into this saying, what can I get out of her and what can mm-hmm. I keep from her? I just think he's... Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe one of the things I guess I am saying is I think we overcall things narcissistic abuse instead of saying it's just emotional abuse. Yeah. I think... I have a feeling that if we were to look at every relationship that ever says they've been narcissistically abused, probably 50 to 75 percent are. But there is a percentage that's not and to the public that drives them nuts. Mm-hmm. But all of them were abusive. There was I don't have any disagreement with the abuse mm-hmm. and, and doesn't matter what we call it. There's a part of me that cares because narcissistic abuse is really insidious and it's it's very destructive the rates of PTSD among narcissistic abuse victims has been found to be upward to 75% versus 40% for those who just have trauma. Mm-hmm. So there's something uniquely happening in these relationships that is extra damaging. 
I guess that's why I care about us being more careful. But on the other hand, I just glad that more people are stepping up and saying I'm being abused. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, the good point that we need to bring up is like what you had mentioned earlier of the bait and switch. Mm -hmm. Like I have heard multiple times, and I'm sure you have, is like, she's not the person I married. Yes. She became a totally different person. He became a totally different person once we got married, once we moved in together. Once there was some level of them achieving whatever they were wanting, which, you know, for a lot of my clients that might have been marriage, that might have been moving in together and making the other person dependent, there was that. Yeah. It just it's a it's like you're living with a stranger. Oh, it's which like you and I have talked about yeah, exactly. that plenty of it's times. Like Dr. Jekyll drank the potion and you see Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. There's this literally this switch that flips and you start to see the real persona bleed through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Whereas with emotional abuse, I have a feeling that there is a honeymoon phase with emotional. Ab- I mean, I'm not actually stopped and like looked at it, but I have a feeling if I was to think about it. It starts insidious, too. It starts out slow and gradual, mm-hmm. but then there's a ramping up. The more comfortable you are with the person, the worse that it gets. But I do think with narcissistic abuse, there is, I'm not going to tell you who I really am or why I'm really in this relationship until I know that I have you at some level mm-hmm. or you're dependent on me. And once the dependency happens, then you start to see their real nature. Yeah. So I, when I look back at my marriage, which I know, you know, I was with a drug addict who very clearly had narcissistic traits and may have been narcissistic or whatever. I I remember when the emotional abuse started. And you're right. It was very slow. It was very subtle. It really mm-hmm. didn't start until after we'd been together nine or 10 months. But that was different than when I was narcissistically abused. Yeah. When I thought this was uh, an upright person who was in recovery and not doing drugs yet was secretly doing drugs on the side. Yeah. When I thought he was immoral, he would always... This is the thing. He would he wouldn't take ibuprofen. He wouldn't take Tylenol because it for was pain. a drug, right? Right, because it was a drug. Yet then finding out he's yeah. like secretly doing oxy and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, like, right. And the same thing when <laughs> no he, Tylenol. Right, but then the Jeez. same thing when he would uh, return the change if he was over given money like yeah. by a cashier mm-hmm. he would return the exact change he would not take the extra yeah. change but then he was embezzling from his job right like those those are actual right those were actual narcissistically abusive moments where right. it was an utter con right, but right, right. i had also been emotionally abused in that relationship but there's a very clear difference yes to me yeah yeah i i can think the same my first husband in the beginning of a relationship called me names and he struck me a few times but there was no deception. This is just who he is. We got into therapy. He took it sincerely and worked really hard not to ever do that again. That's different. I never felt like there was duplicity. I never felt like there was a bait and switch. But with my ex, I mean, there's actually a moment where I found out that he'd been living this completely double life and that everything I thought I knew wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And literally, I felt like there was two worlds, the real world and what he'd been feeding me. And then it was a massive betrayal, massive discovery. That feels profoundly different yeah. than just somebody who's losing it. And those are the stories I hear. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's all not good. It's all a problem. And all of it needs to have help. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important that we know the distinction between the two. Mm-hmm. Today's self-help tip is on expressive writing. I really love expressive writing. There's been multiple studies about the value of expressive writing. But the the thing I want to define for you as expressive writing is the fact that it is not so much about writing about details, but feelings. Mm. And I think for those of us who are currently in abusive, toxic 
unhealthy narcissistic relationships or those of us who are getting out of them and trying to recover, we really have to take that extra effort to connect back with how are we feeling? That was a really hard question for me a long time, for a long time, especially because the cognitive dissonance and how confused I was. I just didn't know what I was feeling on a regular basis. I would most often just write that I was confused. You know, I'm confused. (laughs) I'm confused. confused. But as I got more practiced Mm -hmm. on doing it, I started being able to sort of label different feelings that I was experiencing. Like, I'm confused, but I'm also sad. And I'm also really pissed off. And I'm also X, Y, Z. Like, I I pulled out one of those feelings wheel. Mm-hmm. You've, you've used them, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That feeling wheel was really helpful for me in the beginning because it gives you your basics, mm-hmm. you know, sad, mad, glad, and scared. And then it gives you all of the other adjectives of those. So you're not just mad, you're irritated. Yeah. But sort of like getting to learn how to identify those emotions and how they felt and when and why I may have been experiencing those especially was helpful for me in assessing what or how I was reacting to what was going on in those relationships, as well as when I was trying to get better. I think it's imperative. I know the studies have shown that it really helps us to make changes. Mm. And they've, they've looked and process. at process. Yeah, they've looked at those who had a job, I mean, those who had lost a job and want a new job. There was a study where one group just talked about the events of the day, maybe like even the weather of the day, and the other group talked about their feelings. The group that talked about their feelings, journaled it, actually got a job faster than the group that didn't. Oh, interesting. I know. So it actually has outcome. Yeah. And I've seen similar studies about people recovering from PTSD, which is Mm. normally the studies are mostly done on veterans, obviously, Mm -hmm, but it mm -hmm. actually helped processing that level of trauma, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great tip. Thank you for joining us today. Have a question or comment? Email us at hello at breakingfreewithcarrietarrett.com. If this episode has been helpful, consider becoming a supporter. And if you haven't yet, make sure to follow us at Breaking Free from Narc Abuse on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. We'll see you back here next time. Thank you.